Good morning. Uh, I'm excited to be back with you this morning. In fact, when I drove into the parking lot, the place I generally park is uh, open, and so I have my own parking spot now. And so uh, I, I feel like I'm part of Bellwether in a new and a different way, and I'm excited to be with you this morning. Um, I know that many of you, as proud as I am, uh, that it's good. Thank you. No, it's good. Um, you've been thinking about the things, uh, as Neil prayed, he prayed about it, about the things that are happening across the week. I spent most of my time this week traveling. I was in Tupelo, Mississippi for a funeral. And in the process of grieving during the funeral, it was also public knowledge of uh, the killing there with the uh, policeman and the black man. And so uh, a lot of that was buzzing around even as we went through the funeral. And then I was in uh, Meridian a couple of days as they had reconciliation week there. They were remembering and honoring the memory of those that died at Lockheed uh, uh, 13 years ago. And so uh, as I was there, there were people from Enterprise and Stonewall came up to me and talked about the incident there that happened uh, about this time last year with the policeman and, and a young black man there in uh, Enterprise. And then there's been several other incidents across the, the nation and even in Mississippi. So we have a lot of... Um, things that are happening in our world, in our nation, in our state, and even right here in our city. And so as I was thinking about all of those things across the week, early Saturday morning, Paige sent me an urgent message. Paige is the event coordinator and part of Mission Mississippi for a long time now. And uh, she sent me, Nettie, you need to say something. And, and then somebody stopped by my house. I'm working in my yard. They come from all the way across town. I didn't want to talk to you on the phone. I want to look at you. You got something to say. You need to say something. And, and as I was thinking about it, I was thinking about all of those things before um, Paige contacted me. And, and Dolphus and I had visited a couple of times a week. Dolphus, former president of Mission Mississippi, we had visited a couple of times during the week. And I was thinking about as I visited the funeral, as I visited with the people in Tupelo about the incidents there and about the things that were going on in the Meridian, and I reflected on uh, really what I'm about. And uh, the message today just happened to address all of those things because uh, John and I had agreed on that we were going to take a break from the series, whatever the series was, the change, I believe, that you were going through. And he said, you know, it'll be an uh, open sermon day, open mic day, and so uh, I'm going to take full advantage of it. But I told him what I was going to preach about today, and uh, uh, as God will have it, it uh, hopefully it will address the issues that faces us today. And so as I reflected on all of that, I was thinking, now, what do I say? What do I tell folks that is in pain? Either because someone had killed their loved one or their loved one had killed someone. What do I say to folks like that? What do I say to the people that's observing this and, and see that, uh, <clears throat> that there's a situation as it was in Tupelo and other places in Minnesota and Baton Rouge where uh, the police were suing a, a lawbreaker, and at some point during the the the, the altercation or the uh, the stop, uh, as it was a traffic stop in in, in Tupelo in, in in Minnesota, I believe, and whatever was happening in Baton Rouge, I don't remember the details. And then Dallas, and, and what do you what do you say to uh, those that observe them? Because on one side of the coin, listen very carefully. On one side of the coin, people see as the kid did in in in, in Tupelo uh, at the stop. Rather than him obeying the law, he got out and ran, ran out of a house, and they seek the dog on him. And, and, and during that altercation, the, the police feared for his life. What do you say 
to that family. And when they said, it, well, he didn't have to shoot him four times, he didn't have to kill him, you know, my wife even said, well, why did he shoot him in the leg and the arm or something else? You know, we all got our analyzation. You know, it's to me like uh, on Monday morning, I can evaluate what Paige, uh, Peyton probably should have done differently on Sunday afternoon. You know what I'm talking about? You know, he should have passed that ball and, you know, somebody should have blocked. And, you know, I'm telling you, I got a bird's eye view. And then after listening to everybody have their analysis and, and commentary about it and all the other things, I can come up with the perfect play. You know what I'm talking about? And, and we can look at all of these uh, incidents around killing and so forth, and we can come up with the perfect scenario of what should have taken place, what shouldn't have taken place, and what that person should have done, and what that person shouldn't have done. And, and at the end of the day, though, they, the reality of it is he's dead. And somebody was responsible for his death. And, and they have a justification or, or a rationalization or, or, or a legitimate uh, or illegitimate reason for doing it or whatever it is. You know, this is not a new thing. This has been going on since Cain and Abel had their encounter. So I, I just want us to think about that over the years, uh, law enforcement and even the church has participated in what's going on in our society today. We all have a responsibility. I thought talking about this, we're talking about the September 29th event. Put that down. Write that down. September the 29th. Going to be the most important day of your life. You need to write that down. You need to make a note of that. The, the world is going to change that day, and you want to be there at the Jackson Convention Center at 830 that day because the world is going to change as it relates to race. We're going to have every denomination represented in Mississippi along with young folks from those denominations to talk about how we can stop what's going on today, how we can change this and pass on a better legacy of race relations to the next generation. I see God already had that plan. We're going to have a summit to talk about that. We're going to have a luncheon where the denomination leaders get an opportunity to speak, and, and you have a great lunch and listen and, and learn and, and hear us pray for the situation we find ourselves in. And then in the afternoon, we're going to have workshops or a conference on if you really want to change what's going on, we have the tools to help you change and help us change the situation we find ourselves in. So this not being a new subject, this has not been a new issue of what we've seen happen. You know, uh, somebody referred to Bloody Sunday back in 64 at, in, in Selma, Alabama, in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, Jackson, Mississippi. I'm trying to pick a, a, a location in our uh, nation and, and, and think 50 years ago. Some of you that can't think, pick up a dictionary and or an encyclopedia, or just going online, and, and uh, well, it's got all kind of ways you can find out information about what happened 51 years ago or 50 years ago as it relates to race and what was going on in our, 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 our nation at that time during the summer. Uh, somebody even wrote a book, God's Long Hot Summer. Uh, uh, back in 65, they wrote the book because during the civil rights movement, uh, there was Fannie Lou Hamer and Bowden and others running around. One was, was, was doing what they were doing in the name of the Lord to bring about racial equality, and other was bombing churches and killing folks in the name of the Lord. And so all of these people running around doing all these things in the name of the Lord, I just figured they had a long, hot summer, right? And so, so when we think about all those things, Nettie, what, what, what's the problem? Why we can't learn how to get along? Why we can't accept one another? Well, that's a great question. Mission Mississippi has been pushing the Christian church to do what the Christian church has been called to do for 23 years. We've been pushing and urging and encouraging the church to step up to the plate and become that new man. Let me read to you what the Bible says that we ought to be doing as it relates to a church. Uh, 
let me, I got, I'm so excited this morning. Y'all pray for me, see, because somebody told me I left time on the table the last time I was here. Well, I want to capture, recapture that, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I want to recapture that time and the time I have this time. So therefore, this sermon may be longer than the last sermon or longer than the last two sermons together. Well, you know, and somebody said, well, take all the time you need because they're looking at me and I got to look at you. But so, and I don't want anybody walking while I'm, but Ephesians 2, verse 15. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 15. Listen to what it says in the New King James. Having abolished. Well, let me just start with the 14th verse. That'll make more sense. You'll, you'll, you'll get more sense. For he himself, and we're talking about Christ here. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Having abolished in his flesh the intimate, that is, the law of condemnation contained in ordinance so as to create in himself one new man from two, thus making peace. This passage says that God did not take and make a better Gentile a better Greek or a better slave or a better female or a better male or a better Jew or a better human being. This passage says that he took that which was separated by the wall and you're familiar with the wall and I'll just give you a brief so I won't have to use all the time I have is that the the wall separated the Gentiles and the Jews as they went to the court to pray. And the Gentile was not allowed to come over the wall, and if they came over the wall, uh, they would be killed. And so that was a separating, he called it the middle wall. And if you read in history about the walls that have been put up in various parts of the world, you, you understand what that means. And so... He took down the wall and made a level field. Can we put it in today's vernacular? He made a level field for black and white folks to operate in praise and worship the Lord. And in the church, not in society, not in the world, not across everything, but in the church, and you have it lined up down your wall, Galatians 3.28, you have it on the wall down there. No more slave No more male, female, no more Greek, but all is one in Christ. If if I had the opportunity, I'm not going to preach from this, but anyway, if I had the opportunity to preach from this, you know, what are you going to preach from? Listen, this would say that separation, reconciliation, and unification is what Jesus did. See, for us to talk about reconciliation as it relates to race or gender or other issues is, is like in the church. It, it's really an oxymoron because the Bible says, and, and I alluded to this the first two times I hear, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 
17, that we are all new creations in Christ Jesus. We talk about, we talked about the, that reconciliation is real, is it radical and revolutionary. And we talked about the last time we was here, we have been radically changed from what we used to be. And what he's saying here that we used to be this way, but because we are now changed by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're no longer that way. And God, through Christ Jesus, has reconciled us unto himself. And because he has reconciled us unto himself, we have been reconciled to one another. Mission Mississippi's push is to push Christians to live out and act like the Christian in which they are. Can I say that? That we're asking Christians to act like and live like and do like Christians do. That means that we will love one another, we will love others that don't love us and that we will love those that hate us. That's really what the, 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 the essence of this week has brought about because we're still living as we used to live. We hadn't figured out how to live this new life that Christ has put in us. And so therefore, these old tapes keep working. The racial divide, the, the racial prejudice, racial hatred, the racial strife, the racial division, all of those things that keep playing itself out before us and it's being passed on from one generation to the next right before our eyes and we are hysterical and we are horrified on the fact that it's being passed on because we don't know what we can do about it. How can you prevent or a Minnesota, or Baton Rouge, or a Tupelo, or a Dallas, God forbid, that, that how can you stop that from happening? And somebody said, well, Nettie, you all just pray together and you all talk and, and you all pray and you have these lunches and you do these other things. What the essence is, is, is that if we don't occupy the same space and, and look at each other and love on each other, imagine, just imagine you're a family having the connection and the love that you have for one another if you never spend any time together if you never occupied any time together and got to know each other and, and learn each other's corks and screws and, and, and learn how to live with uh, uh, your wife that don't know how to spend money, you know you had a perfect answer on how to spend money and, 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 and have to live with, with children that, that can't figure things out and you constantly have to teach them how to tie their shoes or, or they just do away with the whole thing and buy loafers so they won't have to be bothered with tying their shoes. You know, how do you figure those things out separated or divided from one another never coming together and really talking about the issues and even in all of that how many families and marriages broken up because we did not know how to sit down to the table together and talk about the real issues of life and so wow I didn't mean to preach like preach <laughs> so, so, so here's the issue is that we have been changed. So how do we live out this new change? How do we really do that? And, 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 and so I want to read another passage here, John 17, 21. Can we go there right quick, like? Really, somebody's going to have to give me the high sign or something, say, Nettie, you've gone long enough, because I could keep you here for the rest of the day. And somebody said, no, don't do that. And don't worry, I don't want to do that. I got other things I need to do as well. John 17, John 17, 21 says that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, 
and I and you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. That's one of the foundational passages for Mission Mississippi. And I just read you the other one in, I mean, in Ephesians 2, 15, 14 and 15. We believe that things that have separated us in the past is over with. We believe that uh, we can't, how do I say this? We're so stuck in yesterday trying to fix it that we are messing up our today and we'll never get to the tomorrow that God has for us. I'll say that again. We're so stuck in yesterday, either remembering it, reflecting it, want to be back there, want to be a part of it, how it was, or we're trying to fix it, make up for it, equalize it, or do something with yesterday that we are messing up our that we can't connect co correctly together. And, and you know, these, these husbands and, and wives come to me for counseling and, 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 and I tell them, you know, we could spend the rest of our lives talking about he shoulda, coulda, woulda, or she shoulda, coulda, woulda, or he shoulda, coulda, woulda, and, and all of these things, and they keep reminiscing over that stuff. Listen, that's got, a whole, got to be a whole new way of thinking and thought process for you to overcome this, for you to beat this. Others it's going to wear you down. And what we do is that we keep doing that and we give up. And we go our separate ways. It's easier to go our separate ways and pretend like everything is okay. And, and until that day when you are confronted with it head on, what do you do? As a policeman, I can imagine the fear, the thought process. Listen to me. As a young man raised in the 50s and 60s, as a child through adulthood, I was taught survival skills to get home. Even when I caught the school, walked to school, my father and my mother would never allow us to leave the house without giving us a stern lecture and, and, and commentary on how to get back home alive. It was all related to police issues because of what we were seeing taking place. And so, when you think about that, and then you think about the, the indoctrination of a policeman. I've been a police chaplain for quite a while now, and I understand the indoctrination of what they're facing on a daily basis. I read cars with them, and, and, and they've been told that, that when you're confronted with young black men, they're they going to take you out. They're going to they gonna do this. They're going to do that. And, and, that, and that even before they're confronted with, they're fearing for their lives. As a police officer, though, I, I, I noticed that you're out to get the bad guys. And if you don't have the mentality to deal with the bad guys and letting you fear your life, you're going to shoot everybody you see. If you fear life because the bad guys are out to get you. I'm talking about that's just that, whether they're black, white, blue, yellow, whatever color they are, male, female, it doesn't matter. The bad guys are out to get you. They're out to get what they can get and get away. And if you get in their way, they're going to get you to get out of their way so they can get away. Are you listening to me? And, and so we have these, all of these tentacles and things. How do you deal with all of those things? And so, so when you see that in those things, why are we so horrified and so amazed that something like that would happen because of what I just described to you? When you put that together on a stressful, pressured situation, what you expect to happen is what happens. And so, um, wow. With that being said, I, I need to hurry on. Listen, with that being said, verse 7, Ephesians, I'm in Ephesians 4 now. Can we go there? It would be okay if I go to Ephesians 4. Uh, 
I'm going to read some more scripture. I'm going to tell you about Mission Mississippi, and we're going to go home. How about that? <laughs> Good. By the way, while you turn to Ephesians 4, on the table back there is, is a bracelet called Gracism. It's somewhere on my arm there. You see it? And, and there's a little card that goes with it. I wish that each one of you all would take at least two of them. Keep one for yourself and pass one on to someone else. Especially in light of everything happening, we need a little grace extended. Gracism says that we will extend the same grace that we have experienced through our relationship with Jesus Christ to someone of a different race. Want to know what I would say to you this week as you face this week? Intentionally do something different from what you've ever done in your life as it relates to another race. Go intentionally and get to know someone across the racial divide and listen. I call it hard head and hands. Listen with the heart, learn with the head, and live with the hands. Yeah, that, that's what I would challenge you to do. If you want to know what you can do about a, a Baton Rouge or a, and a Dallas and whatever else, is to do that and love on some police officer this week. And, and, and help others love on a police officer this week by doing that. That's what I challenge you to do. So there's information out there. I would love, there's an information card that if you want to know what's going on with Mission Mississippi and how you can engage either by giving us resources which we need or volunteering to be a part of what we do, then there's an information card that you can complete and, and send back to us. There are books on sale back there that you can purchase that will uh, enable us to do what we do. And I think the answer, because it's, it's, it's not self-perpetuating, okay? Um, I believe the answer is the Mission Mississippi model. The people in Dallas have invited me, even before this, to come to Dallas and do what we do in Mississippi. The people in Alabama has invited me. I've been to Mobile a couple of times. I'm going to uh, some place in Florence, South Carolina. Is that such a place in, in the world? Somewhere. Wherever that is. You can't get to it from here, but I'm going to make my way, you know. <laughs> and when they tell me what I got to do to get there. But there are other people are calling us to help share what we do in Mississippi. So we believe, in, and they believe because it's Christian-based and, and it's biblical mandated that we do these things, that that's the right answer. So listen what it says in the 17th verse. Now listen, in the first three chapters of in, uh, Ephesians, let me set this up and, 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 and I'm going to do my best to be as brief as I can. In the, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, and you know this, I just want to remind you that Paul does a great job of helping us understand the position because we are Christian now, the position we find ourselves in. He starts in the first chapter, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. He talks about that, that, that we are the craft, work, the workmanship, the creativity of God. Even in, in chapter 2, he says, but God. And when he says, but God, he says, we were all of this stuff, but now we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for new works. Works didn't save you, but you were saved for works. And because you were saved, work. and so he gives us our position in Christ. Then in chapter 4, he begins to say, here's how you walk this thing out. Here's how you become a new man in Christ Jesus. And specifically in chapter 4, verse 17 tells us that. There's a lot of other good stuff before we get to that, but I want to focus this morning very finite on, uh, uh, finally on, on verse 17 through uh, 32. Wow, that's a sermon in itself. This I say, 
Therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And this Gentile means about how the world does it and non-Christian would do it. In the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from God because of the ignorance in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feelings have given themselves over to lewdness, to lewdness with greed, greediness. But you have in Christ, if it him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in the truth of righteousness and holiness. And because you, if you read the previous chapters, you understand some of what he just said. There. But verse 25 through 32 is the main focus here. As he says, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Many times and oftentimes, I was talking to a pastor yesterday, trying to get him to open the church up to have prayer time about what has happened. And I said, we need a place that, that people can come and pray and talk to each other about what is taking place in our society. He said, I'm afraid to do that. I have no problem with the prayer, but I'm afraid. I don't know. I want to know what to say. I, I, I don't want to open that can of worms. I don't know what to say. Well, this said, because of what God has done in us through Christ Jesus, we don't have an option. Let's just start with the truth. Rather than what we think someone might want to hear. Rather than what is politically correct. What is it that we think somebody will be offended by? Let's create an environment. That's Mission Mississippi. Create an environment where it's safe to be ignorant. Where it's safe to say stupid things. Where it's safe to, 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 to not be politically correct. Where it's safe to do those things so that we create an environment by praying with one another, we get to know one another, and then when you say something that's incorrect or whatever it is, it'll be an opportunity for, listen, Neil, that really hurt me. I don't really understand where you're coming from with that. Would you help me understand that more? Talk some more. Unfold that some more for me. Rather than being attacked, I'm seeking understanding. And so he says, therefore, putting away line, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry. And I've been some kind of angry about all of this stuff that's going on, especially in Mississippi. When I go to Tupelo, we have a group that's been, Mission Mississippi group, been there more than 12, 15 years. And I'm thinking, of all the places in Mississippi, the places where Mission Mississippi is, they ought to know what to do when something like this happens. Rather than protesting and rallying and doing all this other stuff they're doing, they ought to have a body of Christ together in a place praying and loving on one another, doing the right thing, that people can heal from the situation. Because you can't change the situation. All you can do is make it, make the tomorrow better. Because we are together, and it makes us better because we are together. And I hear these calls. Well, we all just come together and pray. You've been seeing it on the TV. Well, we come together and pray, and after prayer meetings over, we go back in our corner doing the same thing we did before this happened. That's why I keep having it, because we keep doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. And I'll let you look up that definition of what that means. <laughs> and so, yes, I'm angry. I'm angry with pastors that, that, that are quick to, to respond or react to something like this, but I can't get them to a prayer meeting. I can't get them to come together across racial and, and denomination line to talk to one another because he believes in abortion or he believes in pro-life, and I don't want to be in the same room with him. You really? 
If you really believe that about the other person, that's the place you ought to be because you ought to be the salt and light for those that are walking in the body and outside the body of Christ. You ought to be there with them to help them walk in the right direction. Love them enough. If you believe they're wrong, love them enough to get them right. You wouldn't do your family member that way. If one of your family members lost, I got family members that, that, that believes all over the place. You know, we show up, you got a universalist and, 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 and a Gandhi folks and whatever that is and all these other things. And I'm saying, and my wife, is, you know, I'm saying, listen, I'm just going to be Christian. I'm going to love them so much that they're going to want some of this love I have. And when they ask me where I'm getting this love from, how can I do this? I'm going to tell them it's Jesus. I'm going to get right in their faith with Jesus. But until they want to hear about what has changed me that make me this way, I'm not going to be under and, and badge and beat and brutalize them because they don't believe like me. But I'm going to keep them in the room because I don't want them lost. Whew. I'm trying to get through this. You keep praying. Are you, are you praying? I don't think you're praying. So if you're praying, I could get through this stuff because you got to be praying. <laughs> you said on a first first row, you know, what could I say? <laughs> not give place to the devil. He says, do not be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your sin. In other words, he's challenging us to not to let this thing fester. You know, we, we get upset. You get your feelings hurt. My wife hurt my feelings rather than me sitting down with her and talking about what she'd done to hurt my feelings because I know she's going to hurt them again because uh, when I tell her how she's hurt the first time, she's going to say, well, you ought to get over, put on your big boy's clothes and, you know, and get over and go. And so I'm going to get hurt again. And so I just go in my room or go outside or, or just sit there and look and stare and, and pout. <laughs> See, y'all, you, you young folk don't know that adults throw temper tantrums. They just don't roll in the flow. Some of us don't. <laughs> anyway. Some of us, you, you notice that we are. But anyway, you know, we get quiet and don't, you know, mama don't cook when she's mad at daddy, that kind of thing. Listen, <laughs> I had to put it in there. Listen, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give who has need. Let no corrupt work proceed out of your mouth, but that which is necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. You know, we can operate. He says, put off the old and put on the new. You know, in the gospel, it talks about don't put uh, new wine and old skins and, 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 and all of these things. So we're trying to, how can I say this without putting some organization down? We're, we're trying to treat, teach uh, old dogs new tricks or something and, and, and all of these. Other, and so we're trying to uh, modify behavior. We're, we're trying to uh, make people act better. Well, you know what? Under the power of Nettie, I can do and control myself pretty well. But the power of God is the only thing going to call me to love someone that's trying to hate me. The only the power of God is going is to help me love someone that is my enemy, that is trying to take me out, that is persecuting me, that is spitefully using me. The Bible says I must love that person. And, and when I look around in the body of Christ, as far as I know, we have not been persecuting each other in a sense. We have not been spitefully using one another in a sense. We have not done all of these things. But the Bible says for us to love those that will do that. Certainly, if we can love those that are doing that, we ought to be able to love one another. 
The Bible says for me to pray for one another. Pray for those that will persecute me. Pray for those that will spitefully use me. So I'm challenging you right now with the word love, with the word prayer, and the word forgiveness. If we're going to pass on a greater legacy to the next generation to do away with racism, racial hatred, racial strife, racial prejudice, and racial divide, all of those things, if we're going to do away with that, we got to love one another, we got to pray for one another, and we got to forgive one another, and we got to pass that legacy on to our children, to the next generation, that they will come out of the mess that we've gotten them into. We're using the Baptist church, you can say amen right there. But anyway. <laughs> Listen, those are the three things that we're pushing as a better legacy. And then those are the principles. Love one another, pray for one another, and forgive one another. And, and when we say that, you start there and work your way down of those that are different, those that are indifferent, those that uh, hate you, those that do all these other things. You work your way down the list, loving them, praying for them, and forgiving them as the Lord Jesus has forgiven you. And then the practices that we're pushing is simply this. We're pushing that, that you would build loving relationships. Let me back up. That you would build intentional loving relationships across racial lines and allow that to become a lifestyle for you. That you would do one, three, two other things as a practical thing, that you would develop initiatives to teach my family and my friends and others a lifestyle of reconciliation. Loving, intentional, or intentional loving relationship, learning initiatives for my family. I call those learning initiatives discipleship, mentorship, and partnership. And then the last thing, as a corporation, as a church, as a group, as an association, as a, as a group of people, as a church, we ought to do these things here. Develop infrastructure for leadership. Infrastructure for leadership. That the leadership, John Hugh and the other elders or deacons or sessions, whatever, you know, I'm sorry. I go to so many churches, y'all have different names <laughs> for everything. And so, so whatever the leadership name is this church. When I was in the Methodist church, it was the uh, stewards. So I don't think you have stewards. But anyway, that the, net, the, the youth pastor, the, the youth leaders, the, the Sunday school teachers and others, at some point is going to move off the, the scene. What are we doing to equip and engage and empower the next generation to take up the banner or the mantle? leadership. And I think we ought to have as part of whatever training, whatever equipping, whatever you go through to get to where you are or, or, or go train others to get to where you are, part of that ought to be equipping executive leadership to deal with racial issues. And Michigan, Mississippi has the tool to help us do that. So what have I said to you this morning? I said a lot of things, but I want you to leave your understanding that if we're going to change last week, love is going to do it. Prayer is going to do it. Forgiveness is going to do it. And that we got to practice what we preach by building intentional, loving relationships. We will have to develop learning initiatives for our family and friends that we can walk through this thing socially and spiritually. Because when you look at that passage of Scripture, where I read you what Paul said, Paul said they were separated socially and spiritually. And when Jesus came, he closed the gap on both. 
He tore down the wall that was separating there. And then if, if, if the police departments and the cities and the enforce, law enforcement and, and the corporation and the business and things that we're going to, educational institutions that we're going to be a part of, as part of their initiative, there's got to be what I call infrastructure leadership that we intentionally build that into our leadership like we do the management skills and all the other skills that we build into that. It's got to be built into that. That's what we say at Mission Mississippi to change this world, to make it look like what Christ called us to do to be salt and light. Mission Mississippi is enlisting, enlist, engage churches, individuals, corporations, businesses, educational institutions, others to live out the gospel. Two, we are empowering, you know, equipping and empowering that same group to affect racial reconciliation in their workplace, in their church, in their families, in their community. So what we want you to do is to be a part of what we're doing. Somebody said, well, why should I come to an event? Because we want to enlist you and engage you to live out the gospel of grace. And we want to empower you and empower you to affect racial reconciliation. Let us pray together. Father, we are thankful today that we have this privilege and opportunity to share this time together, to, to share your word together. What a blessed opportunity that is, God. And, and even more, God, we, we're thankful today that we live in a world that we see is, is totally divided. But you raised us up for such a time as this. You equipped us and prepared us for such a time as this. And God, it's my prayer now that we would take the charge and the challenge from you to move forward, being light and being salt in a dark and decaying situation. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.